Welcome to Inside the Economy with SHNJ, presented by Larry Howes of Sharkey, Howes, and Javer. Well, welcome to another Inside the Economy from Sharkey, Howes, and Javer. I'm Larry Howes. And of all the numbers and the trends of those numbers I keep track of, I want to highlight one today, namely uh, U.S. GDP. Came in at 2.6. I think uh, that's a good number. It's been languishing under 2 for a little while, except for how it finished in 2016, which was great. That's a positive number, and that's the first estimate for the second quarter. I think due to the fact that we're having some debt ceiling issues with Congress, and a new federal budget coming along, you're going to hear that some people are projecting the U.S. is going to grow, the GDP of the U.S. is going to grow at 3% or even more over the next few years. Uh, I'll tell you today, that's very unlikely. That's a big number. Like I mentioned before, 1% in a $19 trillion economy is $950 billion. That's how much new transactions need to happen to continue that kind of growth. With inflation at about one and a half, 1.6, GDP is not going to grow at three or four for very long. Anyway, the budget debate goes on. Uh, somebody asked me how retail sales were doing, and in a cheerful way to answer that, this is it. Amazon owns retail. <clears throat> Their year-over-year -year changes are up about $5 billion. And for the first time in my entire career in this business, there's a new verb out there. It's known being Amazoned. So if your industry has been taken over by Amazon and you find yourself without very many customers, that's Jeff Bezos. And here's how that looks. Everything is growing along at a reasonable pace, but consumers aren't getting carried away. And we've talked about that at the past. Uh, the other thing, and this is back to inflation, there are some industries that are being hit hard by inflation. And interestingly enough, the great expression, do you have a landline into your house from a telephone company? It's probably down the most. We're not long-term investors in telephone utilities. Uh, that's an industry that may be in trouble long-term. It's just interesting to see how much you can understand that uh, cars, sales are down, Inflation is down. We're going to see a lot of great deals before Christmas. Apparel is down. It's cheap. Comes out of Vietnam, Philippines, all over the world. Landlines, basic telephone companies, way down. Uh, that's not going to change. Earnings are up in the S&P 500. They're doing very well. We knew they were going to. Part of that is the dollar has eased. It is not getting stronger. It has gotten weaker against most of the currencies in the world, especially the euro. And it helps earnings if you're a U.S. company that does a lot of business overseas. Earnings are up great. And this particular chart is about the energy sector and how well they're doing. Well, most of the energy, the traditional energy, Exxon and those guys, are doing well on their earnings. They're doing all right in diversifying out of oil. They're doing all right on their efficiencies of drilling holes in the ground. Uh, 
quarterly earnings are doing fine. Mining in the United States is actually doing well as well. That is in great part to do with oil extraction and a few other things. Base metal prices are gone up a little. Nothing dramatic, but anything up is news these days. Oil extraction is a big deal. And uh, kind of a large industry in the U.S. right now is this one. Now, this is shale oil. Don't mistake shale oil from oil shale. I'll talk about that in a second. Shale oil is pretty good crude oil in the ground in fissures in the rock. And they drill into it from the side or from the top or however they do it and pump a lot of water down there. Yes, it's uh, hydrostatic fracturing. There's about a trillion barrels of oil in these shale oil deposits. It's in the red on this. The entire state of Pennsylvania is nothing but a huge pocket of shale oil. If you put all of this shale oil together in the United States, and there's a lot of it there, that's about how much is projected to be just in Siberia. A lot of shale oil. The public tolerance for fracking, we'll see. Right now, it's not real popular. But that's where the so-called near independence from oil has come from, digging into these shale deposits. On a side note, oil shale is what Colorado has a lot of, and we have a lot of oil shale. It's also a big number. It's not a trillion barrels, but it's a big number. And that's very different from shale oil. I love those terms. Oil shale is very low-grade, almost crude, buried in rock. You have to dig up the rock, bust it up, cook the oil shale before you can even refine it. It needs $100 a barrel oil to make that work. Shale oil, fracking in the media, does all right at about 60. If you notice the numbers, crude oil is about 49. So we'll see. The shale oil industry does a great job of starting and stopping production. So when they're out drilling, they find something they like, they fill it full of water, they get it ready, they put a cap on it. Wait till they get their price. It's okay. On the other side, this is OPEC. They have very low cost. Most of them have very low cost of production. Their break-even at production is like $12 a barrel. That's what Saudi Arabia is. But IMF and OPEC did a little study on what they need, all of the OPEC countries need, to get back to fiscal responsibility, meaning pay their highly dependent government budgets with the price of oil. And it's some big numbers. Even Iran is up almost $50 a barrel. Venezuela, yeah, $200 plus a barrel. They'll be defaulting here pretty soon. And I'm sure that'll be a, an interesting development in the media. But just so you know, the United States imports about 700,000 barrels of Venezuelan oil a day because there are specific refineries set up to do that oil. It's not very good. It's a little, I forget what the term is. It's not sweet, so it must be harsh. They're set up to do that. There's no real reason to penalize them just because Venezuela is not a very popular government. But they're going to default on their debt, and we'll see how long they stay in the oil business. 
Real estate is the other area, and it's really the last thing I want to talk about today. Seattle, Denver, Dallas, Portland, very hot real estate markets. They're driving the national average that would be down in the threes up into the fives because they're doing so well. Seattle is a popular place. Some people are moving there. It's also, just so you know, a popular place for Chinese at this point. Vancouver was. They're trying to move as much as they can in the United States. Seattle is a reasonable place. Denver, Dallas, uh, good markets, reasonable growth in the value of those markets and most of the housing. Here's the reason. Uh, it's financial jobs. San Francisco and New York are net losers of financial jobs since 2007. That's Schwab or any of the big broker dealers or a lot of banks that basically tell their employees, well, your job is now in Denver and move there or we'll find somebody in Denver to take it. Dallas has done a great job doing that. They have moved a lot of banks, a lot of brokerage houses out of the coasts into the middle of the country. I don't see that trend changing. It's very interesting that Jacksonville, Florida, of all places, is doing a good job. Probably not as good as Charlotte did for a while, but those financial jobs are leaving those very, very expensive cities. They want to have employees that can actually afford to live where they want to work. Anyway, U.S. economy is doing fine. The market's doing fine. Earnings are great. There's little or no excitement. Uh, I think we're going to have some political forays into the budget here pretty soon, but that happens about every year anyway. Well, thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next time. Learn more about Sharky House and Javer at shwj.com. Thank you for listening. 